We do have a stockpile of, you know, creative creations down the road, but I, I wanted to make sure that they understand that it was square, it was slightly thicker, it, as again, it felt like a brick, but ate like, you know, ate like a feather. It was light, it was crunchy, it was crispy. You know, and our tagline is, you know, has an addictive crunch with grandma's zesty tomato sauce. How did a veteran chef from the prestigious French Laundry wind up making two different styles of pizza north of San Francisco? A business decision, sure, but also a lingering curiosity that took him down the rabbit hole of flour, fermentation, and hydration. The story of the artisan wood-fired pie and the square slice that have come to define the farm shop pizza experience in Marin County. That story, straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome again, everybody. Great to have you along with us for another edition of this show all about the quest to find the best pizzas, not only in America, really, but anywhere in the world. Um, Although until the, the EU allows citizens to travel abroad, it's going to be U.S. for a while. Um, we are going back uh, a couple of well, a couple of months at this point. I did this interview right before the lockdown. This was uh, when I was out in San Francisco, and um, let me back up before that actually. So I met Mark Hopper uh, here in Chicago. I was in a very dark basement eating a prime rib and what they call 50-50 mashed potatoes, uh, inspired by Chef Joel Robichon. That's half butter, half potato at the St. Clair Supper Club. It's beneath Royster. It's part of the Alinea group here. Uh, Mark Hopper was working for them because he knows Chef Grant Ackett's worked at the French Laundry with uh, Chef. And Mark started talking my ear off about pizza. And we got into some really deep discussions about fermentation times, and he's been working on some things. And I think he had been trying to do something in Chicago. It didn't work out. He ended up going back out to California where he'd spent some time in his career previously. And we stayed in touch on Instagram, and I'd seen these square slices that he was doing, these Sicilian-style slices uh, that were really impressive in between photos or or pictures of him jumping rope, which you'll see if you follow him on Instagram. Um, And... I went out there, like I said, early March, took the ferry from the ferry building market. Um, it's about a half hour ride up to Larkspur, and it's like $12 to get up there. It's nothing. Beautiful ride, by the way, on the on the water. And um, there's a farmer's market there on the weekend. It's really bucolic and gorgeous and lots of people, you know, in yoga pants and driving Teslas and kind of what you'd imagine in Northern California. Maybe like some of those characters you'd see in um, Big Little Lies. So 
Um, I, I'm out there. I'm, I'm having the, the artisan wood fired. He's got uh, from the wood fired oven, which is also beautiful. I'm going to post some pictures of that on our website. And then also this square slice. And so I wanted to talk to him about what was going on. Of course, things changed uh, since the pandemic. Now, they don't have these squares on the regular menu inside. Typically, they're serving things on the patio. There's no indoor dining there right now. Both are available to go, though. So in-house typically is Neapolitan. You don't want that. To, it's not going to travel very well anyway. And then on the curbside, they do the they call the Farm Shop Squares. So it's Farm Shop um, Marin, and Farm Shop is this uh, restaurant. They've got another one in Santa Monica. And so these squares are part of their pizza program. They've got a marketplace built into their private dining room uh, where you're, they're doing, they sell the burrata, they sell the tomatoes, the Bianco di Napoli tomatoes they get from Los Gatos, uh, which is a bit south of there uh, by the Silicon Valley. Uh, basil they get from their farms. And then they also sell frozen squares. It's kind of a half of a pie, which you can take home and bake. Now, this is really... If you lived in this area, I highly recommend just drive up there and get some frozen squares because they reheat excellent. Um, it's like I said, it's super easy to get to from the Ferry Building Market docks. Um, and we started off our conversation as we do every show uh, by asking what Mark's first pizza memory was. Uh, first pizza memory probably goes back to childhood every Friday night. Was, was pizza night, you know, and then I took that to, uh, when I was with Thomas Keller, I took that to Bouchon. Every Friday night we were doing family meal was was pizza and that was our thing. And uh, I oh, wait, Where was your childhood, by the way? In New York. I was born and raised in New York. So, you know, New York pizza, the New York slice. Ironically, we, we kind of, um, our family meals and or was Sicilian-based or thicker or now the, the pan pizza, Detroit style, whatever you want to say. When I was with Thomas Keller, we had a baker, we had a bakery in the restaurant. I never went in there. I went in there to eat bread and eat pizza. I never, never really considered myself a baker. And then when we were putting together Farm Shop six years ago with Chef Jeff Cerciello, uh, he took me to Una Pizza Napolitana in San Francisco. He says, you got to check out this guy. You're going to freak. And, you know, and, and freak I did. So that was about seven years ago. So it's been seven years plus that I've been kind of on that obsessive path of uh, kind of just chasing down, you know, initially what others were doing just trying to just trying to tap into what they were doing but the cool thing about pizza is you you kind of bridge the gap and at some point you really discover what you're capable of doing through the camaraderie of the pizza community podcasts like like we're doing and things like that but your childhood to go back for a second your friday night pizzas were in a pan they were squares or rectangles they were not the the big wedges the foldable wedges you'd have on the streets they were a little bit of both. We had Dino's Pizzeria in Pleasantville, in Thornwood, New York, um, where we used to get, you know, we'd get a couple a couple of New York-style you know, pans, the pizzas, the thin ones, the big round triangle slices. And then I, I always, for some reason, liked the, liked the Sicilian. I don't know if I viewed it as more, you know, when you're, when you're a kid, or not everyone was into that, so there was a lot of those. Or you associate it with home and with your family. Yeah, exactly. What took you to the French Laundry? Because there must have been something in between there. I ended up in San Francisco, and then a friend of mine, Chef Ken Oranger from Boston. He's just a well, well-known chef, awesome chef from Boston. And Cleo, he's got Toro. Cleo, yeah, and he he actually took me to the French Laundry one night and said, "What are you doing on Sunday night?" I'm like, "Whatever you need." He's like, "We're gonna go to the French Laundry and eat." It's a new chef. Nice awesome. friend. Yeah, he's a great. <laughs> so you know, I went there, and that was I think 1994, 1995, and. Uh, 
at that moment, I was cooking for you know a substantial amount of time, but I wasn't thinking. I realized by eating there that I wasn't I wasn't I was cooking, but I wasn't thinking. That guy was thinking of every step, every moment of your experience was was thought of repeatedly to bring it to a level that the highest level it could be on that on that given day. And you know, I spent the, uh, the next couple of years trying to get back to get in that kitchen, and I got in that kitchen and, and spent about 12 years total time working for Chef Thomas Keller. How difficult was it to get into that kitchen? It's actually harder to leave than it is to get in, you know, um, ironically. You know, um, I was very, very lucky. You know, I walked into a kitchen with um, Chef Grant Ackett, Chef Jeff Sorciello, Chef Corey Lee, Chef Eric Ziebold, Chef Phil Tessier. Um, Just uh, so restaurants like Binu and Elinia, uh, uh, you've mentioned there, yes. yeah. Yeah, so, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the top guys that we see today, you know, um, who were under that Thomas Keller mentorship, you know, it was a very special time. In addition, that was a time when Chef Thomas Keller was in that kitchen every single day. There, there was, it was French Laundry and that was it. So I can imagine you're learning about the, the technical aspects and the, and the service aspects of cooking, but you're not really focused on bread and fermentation and the kinds of things like in pizza, are you? No, not at that time, but, you also, but I think what you learn, you know, subconsciously is the process process of everything and how to evolve how to how to continually get better and you know if you look at the French Laundry book you know I, I think there's a section on butchering salmon and how much he loved to butcher salmon because it was that opportunity it wasn't uh, I, have, I have to do this again is like I have an opportunity to improve on this again and it's very very humbling just as the whole pizza world I, I equate pizza and swimming swimming looks very easy to those that are that put in the work and practice it and the same with making pizza. So what, you were there for 12 years, what happened after that? Uh, I opened the, I opened Farm Shop. I left, okay. I left uh, there. Here in Marin. Here in Marin, I spent a year in LA, uh, working at the Santa Monica restaurant and market, and then Chef Jeff and I um, spent about a year and a half here, opening this, getting this to where it was. Did you have the wood burning oven then, and you're doing Neapolitan? Yeah, and that's, that's so just to back up, that's, where we, that's why he took me to Anthony's, because he wanted me to, part of being in this um, center was they, they they wanted to offer pizza. pizza. Well, and it's interesting because at that time, based on just conversations I've had in this area, Flour and Water started about 10 years ago doing Neapolitan. Um, there was a Neapolitan wave kind of sweeping across the country, but certainly out here on the West Coast. Um, and so when you say you went to go see Ant what Anthony was doing at Una Pizza Napolitana, that was kind of the, the cool new thing to do in America was this Neapolitan pizza, right? It was the cool new thing, but Anthony's also been doing it since 1996. And, you know, the, the attention to detail and the, com and the commitment that he made and still makes to, to take it to such a level, that's what, that's what really attracted me. And sometimes his, you know, his, um, his ability to say no and get away with it, you know, you're jealous of that. In a restaurant, you know, you have, it's, ho it's hospitality. You have to, you got to do, do, do. You know, the guest is always right. Anthony was four pizzas a night, four, you know, four nights a week and there's no sides, there's no salads, there's no nothing, this is what I'm doing. So you watch him make the pizza, you taste the pizza, you come back to farm shop with Jeff, your partner, business partner, friend, um, and now does he say, okay, use your fancy 12 years of experience at French Laundry and reverse engineer it? To some degree, yeah, <laughs> to some degree, yeah. You know, I, I would watch Anthony work, I would watch his footwork, I would watch his hands, how he would move into the oven, how many pizzas he would put at the oven at the time, I would time them, how long it would take him to come out, you know, I'd ask questions about what kind of wood he was using, you know, um, and you just kind of form a relationship. And again, the goal was not to really recreate, was 
to kind of pay homage and be inspired by his approach of it's always good, never great, I, I can do better. And I think, you know, again, dating back to learning how to think, seeing an end product in your mind of what you really want to achieve taste-wise, guest, you know, guest satisfaction, that whole thing, and being able to have that ability to reverse engineer it, to, to bring it, that product to life, is pretty cool. You had your own pizza place for a while here, yeah? Yeah, I, I uh, had the opportunity to open a pizzeria called Vignette Pizzeria in Sebastopol, California. And it was in a similar um, center like here, the Country Mart in Marin. A lot of moms in yoga pants? Yeah, not so much. I wish there were more. But, uh, you know, I mean, it, unfortunately, it was, you know, the foot traffic never materialized. Um, it was a little, um, a little tough to get in and out. So we met, um, you were in Chicago for less than a year working with uh, Grant's team again over at St. Clair Supper Club beneath Royster, which is kind of an American prime rib steakhouse, if you will, uh, but executed at a very Alinea level. Um, we talked a lot about pizza. I know you're working on something at the time. You come back out here to Marin County, and now I see on your Instagram, which I think is Mark underscore dot Hopper. Yeah, yes. Okay. Um, you start messing with these squares. So what was your inspiration for these? I didn't know how to do it. I saw, you know, Justin in L.A. and, you know, uh, Metro. Justin's at Apollonia. Apollonia. Um, Prince Street Pizza, you know, Metro Pizza. Um, there's a few other There's a few other out there that are, you know, again, it kind of goes back to my, my childhood, you know, the Sicilian pizza or the Detroit style. I have a lot of friends from Detroit, ironically. Um, and Grant Atkins was from St. Yeah, Clair, Michigan. Yeah, you know, I kind of, I was hoping to, to get them done over there. But, you know, I just, I, I felt that, there was a there was a want and a need. I really wanted to learn how to do it, and I think the farm shop has a need for that on the menu, whether it's late night or the farmers market like today, or for our catering program. You know, it's that because that pizza does travel better than a Neapolitan pizza coming out of an oven 800 degrees putting in a box. That's just not good. And it is kind of, I don't want to say it's the hot, cool, new kid again, but it is this sort of next second wave now. We're kind of going back to the old school, old days. Like, you know, there was that wave 10 years ago of Neapolitan sweeping the country. Spockanopoli is a good example in Chicago. And now you're seeing Roman and the Detroit squares from Emmy Squared are, are going to be everywhere. And you're seeing the Sicilian. Um, and yet, it's a throwback because, like you say, you're growing up. I mean, you're my age, uh, probably in the 70s. You know, and they were doing it a lot before then. Um, and it's kind of funny that you were, people are embracing this old style again. It's like music, you know. It's like the blues that always comes back home. Blue jeans and the blues and, and things that are, you know. I think there's a little bit more. It's it's all art. It's all an art form. But you know, there's like, you know, how many days do you ferment? Do you, how many days do you, do you do you par bake? Do you do this? What flour are you using? I mean, it's the same kind of, you know, obstacles that we have within that. And I think, you know, I love the Neapolitan style, but I think the square, because it's cut, because the Neapolitan style isn't supposed to be cut. It's the complete opposite. It's this, the, you know, the square to me doesn't look good as a whole pie. It looks better cut and slightly toasted, and you can, everyone comments on the chrome and the height. And, and, you know, on Instagram, nobody posts their failures. You know, I'm not posting paper-thin pizzas that didn't come out, you know, we just don't do that. So I just think, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a, there's a great guy that makes squares, Sicilians in Detroit, that wants to make Neapolitan, because he's never done it. And it's just that having the ability to go out and, and do it, and to cover more ground, I think, you know, also, 
So in, in a place like this where we have a 35-seat bar late night, you might be more inclined to have a square of pepperoni or cheese or eggplant and, another, and a half a beer or a glass of wine than a, a full pie at 10.30 at night. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. All right, I'm going to ask you some specific questions about the pizzas in our next segment. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking with Mark Hopper here at Farm Shop Marin, um, about 30 minutes north of San Francisco by ferry. We're also going to preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking with Mark Hopper here, uh, executive chef, partner, consultant, if you will, at Farm Shop Marin, where he worked several years ago. He's now back, and he is working on this pizza program. Uh, he's about 30 minutes north of San Francisco by the ferry. Um, I took it this morning on a Saturday morning. It was like 12 bucks. Uh, you're here in 30 minutes, and it's right across from the ferry landing, and there's this kind of a cool little shopping mall area, if you will. There's a Belcampo uh, yep. butcher, which is kind of nice to have, and... Is it Hog Island Oysters, too? Hog Island, yeah. They're opening up at the end of the month. Oh, great. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the two kinds of pizzas you're doing here, Neapolitan in the wood-burning oven and then a sort of a Sicilian, although I don't know if you want to call it Sicilian or Detroit or uh, Northern California Square, but let's talk about this, the Neapolitan first. That's the first oven you see when you walk in, 850 degrees or so plus uh, Fahrenheit. Um, anything unique about this style? You, obviously, you said you initially saw Anthony from Una Pizza Napolitana make these. Yeah, I mean, it's we don't follow any of the DOP rules or anything like that. You know, we do use the double O. We use a Biga. You know, it hits the refrigerator for a little bit of, of, of you know, some fermentation, some cold fermentation, which, you know, brings out a little bit of flavor. You know, the wonderful thing about being here, like we touched on earlier, is the product. You know, we use the Napoli tomatoes from Los Gatos. We use, you know, local buffalo mozzarella. We're using the produce from Jackson Family Gardens, which is, you know, very close. So that does tend to bring it to, you know, another level. But, you know, we, we don't even call it a margarita on the on the, on the the menu because we don't want to be under that umbrella. But it is basically what it is. We call it a California tomato, California tomato, local basil. You got a beautiful leopard spotting on the outside of the cornichon. Soft, pliable, chewy. Uh, you could use knife and fork in the middle, although it wasn't as wet as I thought it was going to be, despite the fact that there were pepper peppers on it and there was... Um, Onions, I think I had charred onions on mine, and an egg. Yeah. Nice breakfast pizza. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it is, it's Saturday. Let's talk about the square. Um, you said you're kind of inspired by your childhood. You want to do something different. This is a big challenge for you, right? You've, I'm guessing lots of R&D. Yeah, I've been doing it for about, you know, pretty much every day for three months. You know, from different types of flour, different types of methods, you know, listening to your podcast, calling Chris Decker in Vegas, and... and just kind of looking at, at pictures on Instagram or on the internet menus and Prince Street and calling Ken Forkish and just kind of reverse engineering and then trying. I'm not a baker. I'm not a baker at all. I'm, I'm a chef. So that does kind of help me. You know, I kind of have that kind of creative, you know, I can, I can do it this way. I don't really understand the science, but I have learned how to, how to make it work. Love the crispy undercarriage, first of all. That tells me there's a fair amount of olive oil in the pan when you're putting the dough in there. Yeah, you know, again, you know, I think it's a three bake when it's all when it's all said and done. It's it's been in the oven three times. It's a, it's a good amount of olive oil, and you know, each one we, we press down with a lot of care and love to make sure that it gets on there. Because you know, that's kind of my answer to the cheese crown. I don't I don't I opted out to do that because it's just less cheese and it's a little bit less filling um, and more crispy. And I think I you know if I took a poll, 
less filling and more crispy would probably win that poll. That could be on a T-shirt, less filling, more crispy. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that maybe. Yeah. Um, okay, so then the dough, uh, so tell me about this process. You make the dough, you get like a bulk fermentation, or do you push it into the pan and let it rest overnight? Like D'Amato's in Chicago will push it out into the pan, top it with cheese, and let it proof overnight. Yeah, I do. I, I mix it, and then we do a three to five day uh, fermentation, depending on you know what's what's happening, till we see so, the the activity that we want, and then at that point um, we divide, shape, we pan it, and that's where the you know a lot of love and care has to come with that. We just don't set it and forget. It. It's got to go down kind of evenly to make sure that that it's going to re- you know be released and everything nice. I do top it with cheese uh, straight on the dough, and I, and I bake it. What kind of cheese can you say? Uh, yeah, I, I, I rotate between the big two, the Galbani and the, what's the other Grande, one? Grande, yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I go back and forth um, on those two. Just a very, very thin layer. More, you know, it's, it's, it's more about keeping it even. I, I do the slices because, again, I'm consistent. I can count. I have, I have basically like a math equation, whether it's a cheese or a pepperoni. I've eliminated every variable for mistake. The chef in you. <laughs> okay, so it's cheese, and then and then you bake it. Then we bake it, take it out, cool it, wrap it, I freeze it. And you heard that from John Arena talking about freezing? Yeah. At Chris, Metro in, in Vegas? Yeah, Metro Pizza in Las Vegas. Chris Decker, I believe, has been working for, for John for over 20 years, and I know for a very long time. So he's been, we've been sharing images, and I've been picking his brain. And I actually think I heard that uh, before I heard it on the podcast. So when I heard it for the second time, I tried it out, and that's the process of taking the par-baked dough, wrapping it up very, very, you know, well, freezing it overnight, because as we know, as John told us, John taught us, you know, freezer draws moisture out, and then I did a test, as we discussed earlier, with a, a freshly baked, same day, and then toasting them. The one that was in the freezer was far more crispier and took much less time. Topping-wise, are you keeping it pretty simple with just, like, the pepperoni and sort of homage to what uh, Prince Street Pizza is doing? Yeah, right now that's our goal, just to kind of get the the niche of what we're serving out there and understood at the level that the Neapolitan is is understood at. So everybody gets cheese, pepperoni, and we do offer an eggplant, which is which is vegan. I wanted to make sure that they understand that it was square, it was slightly thicker. It as again, it, it felt like a brick, but ate like you know ate like a feather. It was light, it was crunchy, it was crispy. You know, and our tagline is you know has an addictive crunch with grandma's zesty tomato sauce. And that's what it is. And the sauce is applied pretty sparingly too. It looks like. Yeah, it's it's there's a lot more on there than you think. It, it's because uh, it doesn't go again right on the dough, and even that's a deep dish trick, by the way. You know, that's the cheese protects the dough from yeah, the sauce. Yeah. So I and I and then when we do our final stages, there's actually an additional layer of cheese between the sauce and the and the and the dough, just to kind of again really really emphasize that crispy light texture that you know is addictive. And beautiful crumb. I mean, you must be proud of that crumb you get when you look at the side of that slice. I am now. You know, it's, it's like I, I tend to stay right in the moment and just enjoy where we are and take feedback and corrective criticism in my own kind of due diligence to, to take it to, you know, another level. And we want to, we really want this to be something special. We want it to resonate with, with our staff and with our guests. So when people are wondering what to get, whether, you know, for dinner on any given night that they can just say, let's, let's go there and get that. It looks like you finish it with a little bit of the Pecorino Romano or something. Yeah, just to give it, that's, that was Parmesan on that one. I do kind of vary. Sometimes I'll do Pecorino Romano. Um, you had a little bit of our version of Mike, Mike's Hot Honey. I was making that honey like six years ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but 
But he had the, he He's he took it. the idea He's to the next it. level. We're gonna do that with our collaborating chili pesto, so that's coming out too. But yeah, we finished it with a little, and I just kind of like that freshness, just like on a pasta or a cacio pepe, although it's in with the pasta, it's always nice to have that different mouthfeel. And I, I also think it helps with the, with, the, with the temperature. You know, things too freaking hot, it's, it just, it's just too hot, yeah. you know? Okay, last question. We ask everybody on the show, you probably know this, um, knowing what you know now about pizza, and you've been doing it for quite a number of years, what would you tell yourself before, I guess, before your first pizza place, what would you tell yourself, your younger self, about what kind of advice you'd give uh, to have success uh, in making pizzas? I would say make decisions based on intelligence, not emotions. Because, you know, you, you want to do what you want to do because you believe in it so well, but the community, the location, the facility, that may not be, that may not be the answer. And also, I think, you know, I didn't sell slices at my place, you know, and that might have been, you know, could have brought in my audience if I did. If I had the squares back in that day, I could have done squares during the day, whole pies at night. So maybe down the road we'll see that come to light. Well, if you live anywhere uh, near Marin County or San Francisco, chances are you're going to see these squares pop up at a store near you sometime pretty soon, or maybe even Santa Monica because you got a farm shop down there. Um, Mark Hopper, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, definitely come up and visit him. It's, like I say, 30 minutes from San Francisco on the ferry. Get off at Larkspur, and boom, you're right across the little walkway. Mark, thanks so much. Thank you for including us on the podcast. Appreciate it. Coming up in two weeks, a pivot in Chicago from an artisan pie to a Sicilian square. Square is definitely something that's not indigenous to Chicago, so we're super excited to bring in a new style for the city um, because it is such a pizza city. I think we deserve it. We started R&Ding it about two years ago. Um, it originally started as our family pie, and then it kind of moved into a place where we were really happy with it and we wanted to share it with the public. We'll have the story of the just-opened pizza fried chicken ice cream here in Chicago. That's in two weeks on July 31st. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, and please rate us. I'd love to hear what you like or dislike about the show. We are at Pizza City USA on Instagram, and our website is PizzaCityUSA.com. We're back up and running the tours every week, uh, three every weekend, two by foot, one by bus. Check them out at PizzaCityUSA.com. I'm leading the bus tour typically about every second or third week. Uh, sign up to be on our mailing list if you want to know about uh, deals and uh, just sort of information and special events um, over at my website, Steve Dolinsky, that's with a Y, dot com. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And just a reminder, stay safe, everybody. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Keep social distancing. Please keep that damn mask on. And keep your favorites afloat in the pizza world during the pandemic. Tip heavy also. Thanks for listening, everybody. And here's wishing you an optimal bite ratio always.